Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs radio show, where we highlight everyone from the top industry leaders to startups and farmers that make it all possible with Chef Jean Blom and photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs, and I have the honor and prestige of introducing Sunshine Foss, who is the owner of Happy Cork, which is located in Brooklyn, New York. Sunshine, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you so much for having me and thinking of us. Oh, no problem. I mean, you know, I, I know every it is, you know, Black History Month and you are a black owned business owner. Um, but why don't you tell our listeners exactly how how did you get started? Because you have a history that is um, delves into a number of different uh, aspects of the business world, including you know, you used to be a fashion designer and, you know, you also are a realtor. So how did you get started and inspired to open up this business? So I'm not a realtor, but <laughs> I definitely, we are involved in the investment side of properties. Um, so I like to let people know that, yeah, Happy Cork definitely found me. Um, I think a lot of people go into the wine and spirits industry or owning a store um, as kind of like their dream. But for me, the wine and spirits industry truly found me. Uh, we purchased the building in 2016. Um, again, it was like a, your typical bulletproof store with your glass. You couldn't touch any bottles. Um, and I knew that I had to, well, one, they weren't paying. So we had to initially get them out. That took a few months. We got them out. Um, and then with that, started like trying to rent the place out. And again, we're on like a side street, so nobody really wanted to rent the space from us. So month after month after month, it was just like, okay, nobody wanted it. Um, so I told my husband, I was like, okay, if nobody rents it by 2018, I'm going to do something. Uh, 2018 came and I had to do something. Um, so I knew that, okay, if I had to put like a space there, what would be a space that would actually make sense for people? Uh, we knew there was a liquor store there already. So, again, in New York, the laws are, like, super stringent where you have to, like, literally be a certain amount of feet away from a church or a school. So that started our venture of, okay, I'm going to have to do a, a, a spirit store. Um, and then Happy Cork was born. And I think that is kind of like the short end of the story. <laughs> Um, so what are some of the things that you offer? Because, you know, obviously you have to hand select, you know, a variety of different things to display in your in your um, store. So how do you how do you decide on what to display, what to offer? So we do. So Happy Cork, you know, we started out with, you know, we are a wine and spirit store. We wanted to be beautiful. We wanted a space to make sense for everyone. But with that um, came the part where I decided, okay, I'm going to go ahead first and really offer an a, array of like black owned brands. So currently we carry the largest assortment of black owned wine experts in the country. Uh, so with that, it was okay, diving into kind of figuring out what the assortment would be. So I wanted to be able to offer like a bunch of different varietals and really make a drinking experience like an experience. I mean, you drink to enjoy it. So I wanted to make sure that we tasted everything that came into the space. It wasn't just, you know, we're getting the best price on something, so we're going to put it in. So it really became a labor of love trying to figure out what is on the shelf currently. 
And with what is on the shelf currently, it really is about offering the best product. And that goes through like an entire experience of even like we have team tastings to know what we want to put in there. Um, it's more of a collaborative effort. We do in the beginning, of course, it was me reaching out to a lot of different brands. But now it's, I'm happy to say that people are contacting us um, to be able to get their brands in the store because we do have a lot of emphasis that we try to put on these individual brands. Um, and I think that ties back into the success of Happy Court. So yeah, so it's, a, it's an array of tons of different varietals from your sustainable brands to your women-owned brands to your Black-owned products to everything in between. Um, but yeah, we're really about offering kind of what you would not see typically on the wine store floor. I have to also give a nod to you because one of the things that I saw through or uh, read about while I was researching is that you also offer um, a brand by un- uh, Uncle Nearest or uh, Uncle yes. Nearest. Yes, Uncle Nearest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell our listeners a little bit about that, the background behind that, because that is a very interesting uh, story. So Uncle Nearest is one of like our like dearest brands just because one, when we started, I think it was kind of like the start of Uncle Nearest right prior to us like even thinking of opening. So for me, I actually reached out to the nearest brand and I was like, and it was actually through a friend of ours because I had never actually heard of the brand. It was new. Um, they were just getting their footing. Um so I reached out to one of the brands and they like they told me the story and I was immediately like hooked. So Uncle Nearest was, which is Nearest Green, who was the master distiller for Jack Daniels, um, who Jack Daniels at the time was an orphan uh, taken in by a preacher. The preacher had Uncle Nearest, who was a slave, um, as his master distiller. And the state found out that he was like distilling whiskey. And at the same time, being a preacher. So they were like, okay, well, you know, you have to decide which one you want to do. Uh, of course, he's not going to give up the whiskey business because it's making money. So he decided to go pursue his dream of, of preaching. Um, and then he left Jack Daniels, who was a little boy, with um, Uncle Nearest, who is who the brand is created around now, um, to kind of learn the basics, but really figure out and kind of run the company. He was able to do that. He learned everything that he learned from Uncle Nearest, right down to the distilling part of it and even, you know, what is kind of considered as the Tennessee way of making whiskey, uh, which Uncle Nearest created. And with that, the Jack Daniels brand was born years later and became such a successful brand, mainstream brand. And then um, word got out that this formula was actually created by Uncle Nearest. And at the time, um, beautiful black woman, Fawn Weaver, decided I'm going to actually take not only just, she was actually writing a story on the brand and then found out about the story and was like, okay, I can't just write a story. I need to actually create a legacy brand based off of this. And so she created the Uncle Nearest brand. And with that, was able to have the master distiller for for the Uncle Nearest brand as the great, great granddaughter of Uncle Nearest. So... Victoria Butler being the master distiller, great great granddaughter of Uncle Nearest, but on top of that, they were able to get acquire the land back from the Jack Daniels family, and now they have like the largest bar 
um, in the U.S. that stems from like it stands from like one length of the distillery all the way onto the other. And so now you have this beautiful brand created using the uncle nearest name, but also giving back that legacy to the family itself. So for us, for us, uncle nearest is definitely one of the most amazing brands that we carry. And um, off of that, I also know, because you had mentioned this very quickly, but I'm going to circle back to it that you offer tastings and Back in during the pandemic, you had started doing virtual tastings. I'm assuming that you continue to carry that on. But one of the tastings that you hosted was co-hosted with Victoria Butler. Correct. So for us, we, you know, like from the onset, again, we do we don't carry like your mainstream brands. You won't find Hennessy. You won't find a lot of your like mainstream brands in the store. So from the onset, we knew that we had to bring people into the store and create an experience. And so we had a tasting every single Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesdays we did wine. Fridays, sorry, not Thursdays. Wednesday and Friday. Fridays we did spirits. And so this became um, almost kind of like a meeting spot for a lot of different people in the area, in the community, but also to just be able to like meet the different brands that like actually, you can actually put a face behind the brand. So we had a lot of these brands come in, do tastings with the community. Um, but again, with the pandemic hitting, we had to, you know, we were deemed essential. So we never closed our doors and we were open. However, we can't have that many people in the store. So it was one in, one out. So I knew that I wanted to create a way for us to be able to kind of keep these tastings going. Um, so we had to go virtual. So yes, we had... We've had like amazing online virtual tastings on IG Live with Victoria Butler, Fawn Weaver, who is the CEO and owner of Uncle Nearest. Um, we've had Mary J. Blige. We've had John Legend. We've had um, Raekwon. Uh, uh, it, the list goes on because it really was bringing that customer experience and what we offered in store and bringing it online to our community that we still had. But now our reach was bigger because we've all, we've been so invested in social media that once the pandemic hit and we had to bring everything online, we were still able to do so. But now it's like a nice larger community. And, you know, it, that you kind of delved into some of the other stuff that I was going to bring up because I was, <laughs> I was like, it's very impactful that, you know, not only are you offering tastings or whatnot, you're offering tastings and, you know, creating a bigger impact because you're bringing on brands that are black owned businesses, but also they're, you know, big names. So I'm wondering, you know, what kind of impact does that make on the community that's surrounding you that they're seeing, you know, hey, there are these, you know, amazing individuals who are, you know, creating these brands and creating these liquors and libations and, you know, hey, maybe I can do this too. Absolutely. I think that has a huge impact on the community because, again, you know, and somebody came in and was like, you know, I tell people this all the time, but it's, it's, it's funny, but it's actually, it's the truth. Like someone came in and they were like, oh my God, this is so amazing to see. He's like, all because again during the pandemic we had to kind of you know get more bottles in and again we didn't have storage because we're a tiny little store in bedside but with that I was like okay we're gonna put all of the black owned brands on the top shelf this was literally for storage 
and someone came in and was like, oh my gosh, we're top shelf, baby. And it's like, <laughs> wow, because it was like, a, a, it's a sense of pride. It's like, we're on the top shelf. Like, first off, you come in and you're like, I did not know there were so many black owned brands in existence. And then to see us just fully displayed in what we've done, it's, it's amazing to see. So with that, on top of the fact that you do have a lot of celebrity owned brands, but you do have a lot of brands that are carried by amazing black people that are in the industry that typically like before you've had this industry completely white male dominated. So you're seeing a lot of different women owned brands coming into play. You were seeing so many different black owned brands. So for the community seeing that is just, it's magical. It's for, even for me, I walk in sometimes and I'm like, Oh my God. Like we went from like literally having two to three black owned brands or women owned brands to having now the store almost like 85% black owned women-owned brands which is a huge thing especially because huge yeah absolutely huge and i mean if you really think about it we're going from black history month it, directly into women women's history month which, which is my time of the year <laughs> <laughs> exactly so it's a perfect timing you know kind of period but um let's circle back to the fact that this is the week of love so um you know do you have any kind of particular giveaway or giveaways or baskets or anything like that for people who are looking to uh, pick something up for their loved ones? So for us, I, and I tell people this all the time, it's like Black History Month, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of like, okay, we have to like focus on Black History Month, but Black History Month for us is like all year long. We are, <laughs> we are the epitome of, of Black History Month throughout the year. But we do offer a lot of different celebratory baskets. Um, we do offer a lot of focus on different wines coming up for different seasons. So, like, for Valentine's Day, we have, like, a large focus on, like, John Legend's LVE collection, which is a Legend Vineyard exclusive. But you, it's a beautiful bottle. It has rosé, and it also has a sparkling rosé, which is super celebratory. Um but for us, we do offer different baskets and different um, combinations throughout the year. So you can come in anytime and get a beautiful basket, especially like tomorrow being Valentine's Day, um, which also not only do we carry like wine and spirits, but we also carry a large assortment of different accessories from a lot of women-owned brands, black-owned brands, from your coasters to your flats to different uh, toppers for your champagne uh, so for us we try to create like experiences so we have this all year long but yes we do focus on a lot of different like baskets and like combinations for like especially different events like tomorrow being valentine's day and you know we have only a few more minutes to you know before we sadly have to let you go but um what is one of your favorite bottles that you indulge in when uh when you walk through your store so i'm a rum drinker <laughs> so for me i'm typically on the rum section of the store uh and one of my favorites especially right now being black history month we do have the 10 to 1 rum, which was created by an amazing black man, Mark Farrell, from Trinidad and Tobago. But it's also um, was just invested in by Sierra, the singer. Uh, so for us, I think that would definitely be one of my favorites for this month, especially since they just created a Black History Month bottle. 
which is exclusive and limited only to Black History Month. And they've um, actually partnered with an artist, an amazing artist from Brooklyn that created the bottle and the box that it comes in. So I'm definitely crushing on that for this month. They also carry a 26-year-old, which is one of the world's oldest rums, um, which we launched last month. But they carry this beautiful bottle. It comes in a wooden box. So for me, that's, that's the rum side. Um, but if I'm, de- if I'm going to go with wine, I would definitely say uh, Sun Goddess by Mary J. Blige is definitely one of my favorites. Um, beautiful Pinot Grigio that has like great skin contact. So it's almost kind of like an orange wine. Um, I would say that's one of my favorites along with her Prosecco. So that's good. Um, but I, I, I feel like I'm like leaving so many people out because there's so many amazing things in the store that I drink all the time <laughs> and we all drink all the time. We also just introduced Frisky Whiskey, which is um, another woman owned brand that is beautiful. It is also super delicious, but it's flavored. It's caramel flavored. It's absolutely delicious. It has notes of vanilla it's, and it's all like naturally made. So I, I mean, I have so many, I, I know we're running out of time. So I'm like about to give you like a whole spiel of what I like love, but yes, yeah, it's definitely to come check us out and figure out what works well for your palate. Now, as far as coming to visit you and checking you out, or for that matter, ordering online, because I know you ship out to different states, um, how can people yes. find you and how can they order from you? So we're located, we're in bed We're 51 Buffalo Ave, right between Atlantic and Herkimer. Um, so you can come check out our happy place. Uh, but we also are online and we do have an app. So you can go to www.happy-cork.com and that will take you to our website. But then if you're like feeling frisky, definitely check out our app because that's like where it's at in terms of you'll get discounts, you'll get, we do have a point loyalty system also. So not only do we have a loyalty system in store, but you also have it online and on the app. So you can actually like download our app in the app store. We're available on Android and iPhone. Um, and I think, I think, and also on Instagram, we're happy Cork Brooklyn on Instagram. So definitely check us out there. Follow. We also have like different events coming up. So that's another nice way to kind of get in tune with what we have going on. Thank you so much for letting us know. And I, I look forward to visiting you at some point in time. And I know Gene probably will too, because he goes up to New York a lot more than I do. Um, but sunshine, thank you for joining us on our, on food farms and chefs. Thank you so much for having us. And definitely, next time you're in New York, you got to come check us out. We're also opening up our tasting space, which is located directly upstairs of Happy Court. So that's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, and that's another great way to come in and try the different brands. And we're going to be having a lot of events in that space as well. So next time you're in New York, definitely come check us out. All right. Thank you so much. And we will be thank right you. And we will be right back after this short break. Join us on Food Farms and Chefs Radio Show, where we highlight everyone from top industry leaders to startups and the farmers who make it all possible with co-host Jean Blum and Amaris Pollock with original episodes that debut every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on WWDB 97.5 HD2 and at WWDBAM.com and on your smart speaker. Welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs, and we have the 
pleasure of introducing two of the most esteemed restaurateurs that are in the Philadelphia area, Justin Weathers and Joseph Monick. So you guys own Stove & Co. Restaurant Group, but under that umbrella, it has a lot of other different restaurants. But I don't want to take over this because Gene is very familiar with you guys, too. And I would love Gene to, you know, welcome you onto the show as well. Well, welcome, gentlemen. It's always a pleasure to have uh, some of the city's best restaurants, or the region's best restaurants, I should say, since you really uh, focus on the Westchester surrounding area with us. Um, and congratulations. I am excited to uh, mention, and I guess we'll talk about a little bit, your newest concept about to open, and that is Joey Chops. Um, so why don't we start before we get into everything else you guys do? Uh, with a little bit of your background, and then we'll talk about Joey Chops. <clears throat> Thanks for having us on. We really appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> so both Justin and I met back in 2008 as as me. I was a sous chef uh, working in Philadelphia, and Justin was a manager. Um, that wasn't the that I guess that was the beginning of our friendship, but our careers kind of go back to the early 2000s, late 90s. For myself, I grew up in the Philadelphia area. I started my career working for Susanna Fu on 15th and Walnut. Um, from there, I grew as from a line cook to sous chef and had other opportunities. Went on to be um, on the opening team for La Croix, La Croix at the Rittenhouse. Um, worked there for about a year before I got a great opportunity to move to New York and work for John George up in New York. Um, after a couple years with John George, I got recruited with Star Restaurants, and that brings us to 2008, where I opened up Park Brasserie in Rittenhouse. Um, worked at Park for the opening, and then I became a journeyman for Star Restaurants, going on to be a chef for Morimoto, um, executive sous chef and executive chef of Dandelion, uh, another Star Venture, and then again back to Park, where I was the executive chef there until about 2015, 2016, where Justin and I had a grand idea of opening up a restaurant. Um, at that point, we knew we wanted to be in the suburbs, and we had an opportunity to buy a foreclosed restaurant in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Um, it was a real estate deal at hand. The byproduct was a restaurant. Um, we opened March of 2017, and Stove and Tap was born, and it was gangbusters. Um, two city guys coming to the suburbs, a lot of, a lot of opportunity and doors open right away. We met a lot of developers, a lot of landlords, big box dining was kind of dying in the suburbs. And these, these developers and landlords were looking for eager restaurateurs that would come in. Um, so we were able to pretty much open up a restaurant a year since. Of course, we had the COVID pandemic, which was a roller coaster ride all to itself but we came out of it stronger than ever. And we took a year in 2022 to kind of catch our breath because closing down four restaurants in 2020 and opening six within a year and a half was a huge seismic shift for us. And we spent the last year really fine-tuning our restaurants, fine-tuning our infrastructure, uh, creating a great team around us. And now we're ready for 2023 for a growth cycle and it starts with Joey Chops in Malvern. Um, it's been absolutely amazing ride. So 
while Joey Chops is not open, so there's not a lot of information. What I do know about Joey Chops, um, it's certainly uh, upscale, a little upscale dining, but it's also massive in size of your dining room. So tell the listeners uh, or give them at least a little insight into what to expect in Joey Chops. You know, one thing uh, Joe and I both are is we're family men. Well, you know, Joe has two children. I have three. Uh, we do like to go out for an elevated dining experience. And, you know, we what we really sought to create with Joey Chops was uh, something that celebrates great dining, good steaks, a, a great dining experience, but without the stuffiness that you can kind of experience at uh, high-level steakhouses, uh, but with the same with the same quality of menu and the same wine list and the same great cocktails and the same great atmosphere. Uh, you know, but with Joey's House, we wanted to create also something where the quality is very high, but it's also a very fun place to go have a dining experience with friends, family, colleagues. Um, and we believe we've really nailed it. We're, we're in the project stage here now, just, just kind of cleaning it up for the last few days before the excitement of our opening. Well, congratulations on that, and I love that idea. I mean, it, it is so true. You know, today you have these steakhouses that are kind of these, you know, stuffy, uh, you know, atmosphere where you almost feel uncomfortable going in and just relaxing with your family or being there. So I look forward to this concept. You guys have, uh, you know, you can the gauntlet, so you have El Pastor because it has a Mexican Latin flavor, and then so the tap, obviously, uh, Joey Chops, and then, you know, Revival, which is your Italian, you know, pizza pub kind of location. My favorite, by far and away, just for a good time, is Good, Bad, and Ugly. Um, you know, the the feeling that you created there, the, you know, just the, the sense of community um, that you've created there is with the food and the atmosphere. It's just really wonderful to do it kind of in a college town as well. Um, you know, where are your ideas coming from? Are they just things you saw before working for star groups and other places where, you know, uh, people coming to you with them? Or, you know, really, you hit on five really great ideas. Yeah, one of the, the fun parts about these projects is being able to go into a market and really kind of assess what works, what we think would fit, what the community needs. Um, and so Joe and I, we do base that upon, we both went to the Culinary Institute of America. Collectively, we've probably worked in 20 different concepts. Um, and, and we are, are both lucky enough to have kind of traveled the world a little bit just to, to adventure out into different cuisines and cultures. So. Uh, and we try to also look at who we're working with, who's able to become onto our team. What does that experience bring to the table? And how can we do it in, in a market that hits the spot? Uh, in a place like Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, we wanted to celebrate the college crowd and, and the, the youth in that town that drives it and the energy. Uh, and, and by being really aggressive with the design and, and the motif and the vibe, and, you know, it's, that won't be the same as it is. There's also something to be said about, uh, you know, being able to, and COVID taught us this more than anything, is being able to be fluid and being able to know when it's time to make a change uh, or sometimes the market changes. And we saw that with COVID as well. Uh, in our current market that we're at, Malvern, 
uh, you know, surrounded by a lot of really large corporate um, entities and, and campuses. Once everyone moved to a, to a home work environment and the, the office work and travel changed, that was an immediate market shift that Joe and I sat down, you know, at coming right out of it. We said, okay, you know, our original idea here is going to need to be tweaked into something different because it's just not the same as we came into. So just being fluid, using our experiences, you know, hopefully bonding with the community and seeing what they want is really the, it's probably one of the most fun parts of the job. Yeah. And I do, by the way, I'm a, I'm a huge Clint Eastwood fan. So, you know, the little things you have up on the walls there to pay tribute that, you know, just kind of grew up in that rainy era where Clint was the, you know, the, the big Hollywood person. So uh, just kind of takes me back to those great days. And I don't know if a lot of college kids can relate this much, but you have a couple of very cool things there. So when are we expecting opening for Joey Chops? Uh, you know, how are reservations? Uh, can people still get reservations, all that? So it looks like, knocking on wood right now, that we will be open for a very soft opening this weekend, Saturday, Sunday. And we're going to make a full kind of grand opening announcement for Monday of next week. We are taking reservations if you call in right now. Um, and then we're going to open up our books on Resi uh, after Wednesday. We do have one more inspection Wednesday. We expect that there's going to be no issues. Um, but unfortunately, you know, we're, we have to kind of wait to open up the books for that nod from the township. So we're ready to go. The dining room looks amazing. Uh, the food is set, locked, and loaded, vetted. Um, our teams are amazing. Uh, we're, we're super excited. And hopefully this weekend – we start seeing some of our old regulars coming in and, and seeing what we've done. Wonderful. Wonderful. I mean, it's certainly going to be an, and, uh, you know, an exciting venture going in, uh, as you move forward with, you know, your one a year kind of idea, are you looking to new concepts or are you looking to replicate what you're already doing going forward? I mean, I, you know, you do, uh, have some great concepts that are working that will work in so many places. And more importantly, any thoughts about coming up towards Bucks County where I am so I don't have to drive as far for your wonderful concepts? Um, so we are slated to do an expansion outside of, uh, after this. Um, we, are, we, are, we already have a project in Delaware County that we're working towards. We're expanding the El Pastor brand. Um, we do anticipate to expand the Stove and Tap brand into further into Montgomery County and Bucks County. Not much I can say at this moment outside of that, sure. but there will definitely be a shorter drive for you in the future. Um, but as of right now, we're just focused on Joey Chops, and we're gonna we're gonna hit this out of the park, and we're looking forward to expanding our group, expanding our footprint, and just slowly making ourselves grow. We we love what we're doing. We love the people. We're investing back in the communities, and we're investing back in our employees. So we're really excited what the future has to bring. Well, that's you know one thing that I, I know of the two of you is that you're very family and community oriented, as you said. You know, you come out of that that you know the star group, so you understand the large corporation with many different you know flavors and all that, and. I don't ever want, you know, I, I love what Steven has done in his restaurant world and all, but I got to say that 
your world feels just much more genuine to me. It doesn't feel like corporate America. And I really am drawn to that, what you guys are doing. It feels like it feels like family. It feels like, you know, good and, and right, not just restaurant chains. It, you know, I've never been a fan of big corporate America, whether it's been corporate America hospitality. I mean, it does make the world go, you know, without the that goes to the arrow marks and, you know, the, the stars and everything like that, you know, or if you would be hurting. But you guys are building the same thing, but building it on such a, a really good family uh, feel and, and a comfort level, it's, it's fabulous. So, you know, I'm really encouraging people to get out and, and you know, try Joey Chops, but try all your products because I think that everybody will be, you know, very happy. So a little bit about the menu with Joey Chops. Uh, you know, what could our, our listeners expect? <clears throat> so we're going to take a traditional spin um, of, a American classic steakhouse, and we're going to build upon it. Um, the menu is built, uh, sectioned off in starters, soups and salads, um, uh, uh, raw bar and chilled food, uh, hand-cut steaks, and entrees, and of course, lots of sides. Really, the menu and the biggest focus are the steaks. We're using uh, Creekstone Steaks, which is a, a, an amazing product. Out of the midway, out of the Midwest, um, all of big um, steakhouses use this kind of black Angus beef, and we've taken the the test across the board, and it truly is spectacular. We're even going to have uh, some West Home Australian Wagyu on the menu as well, which is a very affordable Wagyu steak from Australia, but it is has great characteristics, uh, great mouthfeel, amazing stuff. Um, I think the raw bar is going to be a huge success. Oysters, huge, uh, huge uh, cocktail shrimp. We're going to have different kind of scallop crudos, and we're going to have um, Wagyu carpaccio. We're going to have French onion soup on, which is absolutely amazing, made with like a really great fortified bone broth. Um, we're going to have some really fun entrees, salmon wellington being one of them, which is going to be such a beautiful dish to have on the plate. Um, so many great dishes, but we're going to have tons of sides. And we want to sell a lot of sides because I think that's what makes a steakhouse a lot of fun. I think having really cool, unique sides, being able to get a bunch of them for share on the table, get a big cut of meat uh, to share on the table is amazing. Um, really cool starters to share and, and enjoy with your friends and family. I mean, it's going to be absolutely delicious. I think it's more dynamic than any menu that I've seen in the area. And I think there's something for everyone. Well, you're missing a very important part something that, you know, really shines through with all your, your locations. You have a great, unique cocktail menu. So, you know, who's doing, who's steering that project? You guys have uh, some really great cocktails. You, you know, really, when I know when I went in watching the bartenders, and, and it's a great pour, it's a great cocktail, handcrafted. So, you know, who's steering that whole project? And uh, what should we look forward to at Joey Chops and a lot of cocktails? Well, I, I give a lot of credit to our director of operations and mix, mixologist, Ashley Kane. Um, she puts her name and, and puts a lot of heart and effort into it. But we also lean heavily into our team because we want them to stay fascinated about the world that they're living in. Uh, you know, what can they bring to the table? We put their names on the cocktails that they originate and bring to us to try. Um, you know, for Joey Chops, it's it's 
so fun to go into because not only do you have prohibition cocktails, but steakhouses are about martinis and Manhattans and big glasses of wine and, you know, big fun drinks that you can have afterwards. You know, you want to start with a, with a smoked old fashioned, you know, you want to move in, you know, to some great crisp white wine or sparkling, go into a red wine and then finish hopefully with a nice after dinner drink or a beautiful whiskey or a nice Añejo tequila. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of teamwork on that. And it's also making sure that we're staying on top of not only trends, but whatever goes with the concept on it. Um, you know, making sure that we're staying true to the, to the menu. Well, that's a wonderful thing. I mean, I, you know, just in your different locations, but you know, the, the pride that your bartenders put into their drinks, you know, a lot of free pouring going on, you know, there are ample cocktails, there are great value going on, using premium products, uh, you know, everything you can see somebody who really put a, a tremendous amount of thought into your cocktail program and how it accents the menu. So I you know, give them a tremendous amount of kudos and give her a tremendous amount of kudos on that. Um, yeah, we, so we, we spend list. a lot of time in our concepts of making sure that we have integrity in product. So we make everything except for ketchup. Well, don't make don't make ketchup. But everything else we make from scratch. To. You just don't want to. Just don't do it. <laughs> it took a long time for yeah, I, to I'm with you on that. I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> so where can our listeners find out about more about your company, more about Joey Chops, what's the social media uh, that we could be directed to for everybody wanting to find out more about any of your locations as well as Joey Chops. Yes, stovenco.com is our kind of home umbrella website for us. So you can kind of lead through to, uh, you know, eatoutpassword.com, eatrevivalpizza.com, stovencotap.com. You know, so we'd love to have everyone on there. Um, You know, as you said, good, the bad, and ugly, that's our bar concept in there. So, you know, join us, hit us on uh, Joey Chops for, for the new concept coming in Malvern here in the next, by the end of this week. And, you know, we'll be very excited to have everyone. Well, I look forward to coming out. I know Amaris does as well. And I just encourage all our listeners, I will tell you that I have not had anything above excellent at any of their locations. So, you know, really, I, I give across the board, you know, my kudos to everything you guys are doing, and I look forward to another great concept. Thank you very much for joining us on Food Market Chats. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And everyone, we will be right back after this short break. To become a sponsor of Food Farms and Chefs and have your business or event promoted on two radio stations in Philadelphia that play on Tuesdays during Drive Time Radio and on a station in New York on Fridays at 1 p.m., you can email us at foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com, ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com, or arpolicus at gmail.com. Welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs, and I would love to introduce you to Atari, oh, sorry, R. RT, I I love mispronouncing. Before I had you on, we for our listeners, I I make fun of myself only because I mispronounce things all the time. But it's RT Kosla. Kosla, yes. 
And I would like to just introduce you to our listeners and to thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you for having me. No problem. So you are located up in Connecticut with La Rouge. Oh, La Rouge. La Rouge, La Rouge chocolate. chocolate. La Rouge chocolate. Yeah. And um, so how did you actually come about opening this business? Because this isn't what you initially, you know, went to school for and what your career path was. Uh, no, it isn't. Um, it was purely my love for chocolate. Um, I've had the opportunity and the privilege of living all around the world. I was born and grew up in India. And um, chocolate has been a very, very long time love for me um, and uh, after living in Hong Kong uh, for two years from 2010 to 12 when I came back to Connecticut where we had lived forever um, I found that there are no good artisan chocolatiers around and uh, that's how this came about. Now okay so your your background and i mean aside from the fact that you grew up in india obviously you have a huge you know history from coming from that culture with the different flavors and you know like the desserts there that i know about um are extremely sweet uh and obviously incorporate different flavors that you wouldn't normally taste as you know an american in chocolate Yes, in chocolate yes. and just in general. And so I'm wondering how much of an influence with you, how you grew up, like, is incorporated into the chocolates that you create? So uh, a huge part of it. My mom is an amazing cook and um, my father used to travel a lot. He was a professor. So a combination of those, he would travel and he would come back and talk about different things and very early age I would get these fabulous French chocolates that he would bring, which were infused with orange. Um, I have a product that I created as an homage to that. Um, I infuse toasted almonds with orange oil and then dip it in dark chocolate. It's a very unique product. Um, but as far as flavors and my culture, yes. Most of the people know of Indian food as a rule as curry or chicken tikka masala or a naan. Those are the things that people think of when they think of Indian food. And as you mentioned, most of the Indian desserts are very heavy on sugar and milk. So they are very strong flavors. Um, but when I started this journey, I figured that people, we have some amazing desserts in India, but they are not for the faint of the heart. I have incorporated those flavors. It is our collection called Heritage Collection, which actually has some of my favorite Indian desserts that have been changed into chocolate profiles. So, so things like saffron, things like pistachio, uh, mango, guava chili is one of our top sellers. We have a masala chai, you know, what you guys know as chai latte. Um, so those are the flavors that I incorporate uh, in my chocolates. And I would assume that that would have a nice warming kind of effect of the chocolate because, you know, I I know that you also go to great lengths to offer a chocolate. Your base um, is from Belgian Belgian chocolates, mm -hmm. and so incorporating those different warming flavors, it I would assume that it would create a profile, a tasting profile that kind of just explodes in your mouth and just like gives you different um, aspects 
on on your tongue. Actually, it is the other way. It's it's the other way around. What I hear from most of the people when they try our chocolates is that there are nuances. So it reveals itself like a good wine, layer upon layer upon layer. Um, I typically only use dark chocolate. That is what I use to create shells. And then for the ganaches, when I'm using very delicate flavors like a saffron or a raspberry or a peach bellini, um, I end up using a very good high percentage white chocolate so that those flavors can come through. And it balances beautifully with the dark chocolate shells. I'm sure it does. And, you know, I was looking online, you you have a large uh, following where a lot of people have responded to your mango and said that it's a very powerful um, flavor with your chocolate. So mm-hmm. can you mm-hmm. describe for our listeners what the tasting notes of that would be, just aside from it being a powerful mango taste? So a lot of us in the U.S., actually in America, we really don't know what a good mango is unless you've been to Hawaii or to a tropical island. Um, growing up in India, mango was like, it's, it's the song of summer. Um, it is very deep, it is very earthy, and it's very sweet. So that's what our truffles end up being. And um, you have to try one to kind of know what a mango is. It's not tart. It is sweet, but with a lot of depth of flavor. I know. And I I don't know if I've had a, a mango to the level that you're describing, but I definitely love <laughs> mangoes um, just because it does have a depth of flavor and it, it, it is the sweetness on your tongue and just the texture of a mango in, in particular is, you know, it, it can be creamy if you have just the right edge of the, the mango. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Now, you also yes. do things other than than just the chocolates. Um, you have created crepes and hot chocolates and cakes. So tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, what goes into to making those cakes and what kinds of kinds of cakes and, and whatnot that you you offer. So the journey has been purely of chocolate. So everything that we do is chocolate. We continually tell people we are not a bakery. So I do not bake. I do not use flour. I do not use eggs. Everything is made with chocolate. So the cakes that came about was right in the beginning of this journey, maybe two years into the journey, someone came up and said, hey, you know, someone is looking for a chocolate cake and they want it to be gluten-free. And I looked at them and I said, well, you know that chocolate is gluten-free. <laughs> and they were shocked. A lot of people don't know that chocolate is gluten-free. Um, and so I created this recipe of following some of the techniques which are used in European ganaches. So our cake is actually a chocolate ganache cake. So basically I took some of our most popular flavors in our truffles and blew it up into a ganache cake. So they have no eggs, they have no flour, they have no gluten. And uh, for the people who have not tried it, um, it is like cutting into a cheesecake. But there is, as I said, no cheese, no eggs, no flour. Um, and I don't know if you read, but last, just at the end of last year, we were named the best chocolate cake in Connecticut. Um, so we have a cake which has bourbon in it. That is the one that we won. Um, but we have about 50 flavors in the cakes, ranging from dark chocolate flavors to flavors in white chocolate. 
I mean, unfortunately, our, our my co-host had to leave, but both of us love bourbons. So when you're saying that you have a decadent chocolate ganache cake that basically is also infused with bourbon, I'm like, I wish that there's a way I could zap myself all the way to your store right now to get one. <laughs> yes, you have to come. You have to experience it. That is one thing that we do not ship. Um, but yes, we are known for it and it is decadent, even if I say so myself. <laughs> Just hearing you describe it, you know, like if anybody's out there and you've ever had, you know, chocolate ganache, it's a thicker chocolate, but it's still like on the creamy side. And to have an entire cake built like that, I, I mean, <laughs> I would think that it would take forever for me to get through like a whole entire cake. <laughs> It's actually funny you are saying that because people come in and they say, oh, my God, this must be very rich. And then they come back and say, oh, my God, that was fabulous. It was like I was eating air and I was getting the absolute depth of flavor. Um, so I do not guarantee anything about calories. You know, there's only so much magic that I can do. <laughs> but rest, rest, I try. I mean, I can understand that. Yeah. And, and one of the other things that I thought was extremely interesting is you hand decorate and hand paint everything that you put out there in your displays. I mean, how uh, yes. how yes. long does it take you in order to do that? So if I told you that one truffle that I make, so the process of making a truffle for people who, you know, uh, wonder why they're expensive it starts with tempering the chocolate, creating a shell, waiting for the shell to cure. Then you fill it with a ganache, which is flavored with whatever flavor. So we don't use anything artificial. Everything that is filled inside is in chocolate. So we fill the chocolates and then they are capped, then they are cured. And then when they come out, I take a hand brush, like a little brush, tiny brush, and I hand paint each piece. I do not do the spraying that a lot of people do for production. Right now, it's Valentine's. We have already made close to 5,000 truffles. And probably tonight, I will shell out maybe another 2,000, if not more. Um, we normally, I normally do an all-nighter tonight. It's been a tradition for 10 years. <laughs> uh, but each piece will be hand-painted, yes, whether it is splattered with gold. And that is, again, paying a homage to my culture of sparkle and shine and color. It's funny that you mentioned that because, I mean, I, one of the things that I've always wanted to go to is the um, Festival of Colors. and Oh, holy. Yes, yes. it's coming up. It is coming up and, you know, because it is so festive and because it's it looks like fun and it looks like everybody participates and has such a positive attitude. But, you know, to see more than likely, I'm going to assume that you reflect that on on your chocolates as well for, you know, a special occasion um, to see. Yes, I do. Yes. yes I do. So what you know, what? Obviously, Valentine's Day, as you had said, um, is coming up and you're going to put put in an all like you're you're doing an all nighter. All nighter. Yes. Yep. Do you have people who who help you who have specialized in um, painting the chocolates with you? So, believe it or not, painting is something that I don't let others do. <laughs> there are a lot of aspects. I'm extremely, extremely lucky. Very, very blessed. Uh, the community in Westport and around. I have people who have become friends through this chocolate journey 
And uh, this weekend, like many others before, I've had grandmothers at 80 plus, two kids at nine or 10 years. The whole family comes out and says, okay, I'll box, I'll put a sticker, I will pack, I will clean, I will do everything else so that you can do what you do best. So it is a real blessing. This journey has been of a, you know, a journey of community. And that is what India is in a nutshell. So it is very heartwarming to create it so far away from home. Yes. And uh, one of the other things that I think is is part a big part of your culture is the henna, um, the tattooing. Mm-hmm. And I can see that reflected on some of the stuff that you pa- paint onto your chocolates, too. Yes. Last year, I think, and we will do it again, we did these henna ornaments where I actually created henna, uh, hand, uh, you know, created henna designs on uh, some little bombs and some little we'll probably do it at easter again so most of the stuff that i do is hand painting is done with um, edible food color which has a sparkle in it so gold silver sparkle it's all part of being indian Um, so that gets done on each and every piece and then all these flavors from having the privilege of living all around the world I try to capture them. There is, I'll just give you a sneak. Um, We were thinking I would have launched it for this Valentine's too inundating, but I've just created a a full collection of caramels. Oh, nice. uh, Which are inspired by the most famous cocktails presently. So we have, yeah, we're coming out with a collection of eight caramels from a pina colada to a Cosmo to a mojito. Huh. So there'll be eight of those and an espresso martini. So yeah, that that I think is something that I'm very excited about. And I, I everybody's looking forward. To- <laughs> I was gonna say I feel excited about that. And you know, and the thing is, is you know, off of that statement, I'm going to l- let our listeners know that you can ship. You ship too. We ship all over the country. It's only the cakes that we haven't as yet been able to figure out. They're very delicate. And uh, they need to be, you know, overnighted and frozen. So we haven't gotten that worked out. So for the cakes, you do have to come to the store in Westport. Everything else, we ship all over the country. Which is an amazing thing because if you go online to see your chocolates, they're, they're ornate and your flavors on your chocolates are obviously very, you know, um, unique as well. And so to to taste some of that i i'm a little jealous that i haven't have not had the pleasure of doing so yet um but knowing that i can (laughs) order your stuff online makes me happier because even if i can't make it out to connecticut for one of your cakes which is going to be now a goal of mine (laughs) i love the fact that i can order your chocolates online yes you can we we ship them all over and we do you know a lot of times we will um, get uh, the client calling and saying, oh my God, they got the chocolates, they opened it, and then I said, they're too beautiful to eat, and I always joke, I said, please don't me put me, don't put me out of business, this is what I do. So. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that you find them pretty, but eat them, and I'll make more. Exactly, yeah, order more, and you know, enjoy every single indulgent one. So, my dad always used to say growing up that, you know, we eat with our eyes before we put anything in our mouth. <laughs> so that is another way of paying homage to him uh, that I create things which 
hopefully, you know, are pleasing to the eye and also are happy when you get in your mouth. Exactly. And I mean, it's no wonder that you've won Best of uh, Westport and Best of Gold Coast, Connecticut in 2015 and 2016, because not only are they are your chocolates and everything else gorgeous, you, you know, acclimate to your hot chocolates are also something that you, you know, bring in a European flair. Uh, yes, we actually have won the Best of Westport since we opened for seven years in a row. Um, and uh, Gold Coast three years in a uh, you know uh, consecutively, uh, yes. So most of the people think of hot chocolate when they think of hot chocolate, they think of a dark, thick liquid. Um, and we, I, I like to change the definition of what's normal. Um, so I went back to my heritage. Growing up, we used to have this amazing drink in the winter where my grandmother would put all kinds of dry fruits like cashews, pistachios, almonds, and saffron into milk and let it soak overnight, and then it would be cooked down. And it used to have a depth of flavor that still today, if I close my eyes, uh, so I created a hot chocolate based on that. So there is a saffron pistachio. And then the European one, I ended up creating one, which is actually raspberry. Everybody thinks of raspberry and chocolates as a beautiful combination. But instead of doing dark chocolate, which technically overshadows the tartness of raspberries, I do it in white chocolate. So people are shocked when they actually have a hot chocolate because typical perception is hot chocolate is a dark chocolate. Mm. Well, I look forward to trying all your chocolates, and I would love for our listeners to find out how to find you online and order your food, uh, your chocolates online as well. So we are um, online. It's very simple. It's LaRougeChocolates.com, and we still believe in human interaction, so we always welcome people to call us. We will have a conversation. We will guide them what they want or they can order online. That is wonderful. And one last thought um, is, are are we able to call in and have everything custom ordered too? So we do a lot of custom order work. We also, one of the things that I, um, so this journey has been about taste, but it's also about being artistic. Um, So I do things like hand paint a portrait you send me a digital picture of a memory of a moment in your life, and I create it in chocolate. That is painted in chocolate. That is amazing. So the next time that I need something done for a birthday or a special occasion, we can come call you, call you up. But yeah. we unfortunately have run out of time. So I just want to thank you to for coming on to our show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it and. Hopefully, you know, you get to taste most of the stuff that we make pretty soon. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Artie.